Academy Sports and Outdoors wants everyone to stay safe while doing more of what they love. So whether you're planning a fishing trip, heading to the driving range, prepping for your upcoming hunt, or firing up the grill before the big game, we have all the gear you need to enjoy more sports and outdoors. All at the prices that you're going to love. And with the curbside pickup available, it's never been easier to shop all our brands in-store and online at academy.com. Because whatever you love doing, Academy Sports and Outdoors is there to help you have more fun out there. Thank you so much for checking out our new podcast. It's called Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Tug Coward, along with Brent Rollins. You can find him at PFF underscore Brent. He is with Pro Football Focus as well as UGASports.com. Matter of fact, you can subscribe to either one, UGASports.com or PFF.com. Just click on subscribe. That's the best way. For Pro Football Focus, it's the first year they're offering college grades. You can get that for $30 a year. Premium starts at $120. UGA Sports is $99.95 a year. You get insider information on the team. As a matter of fact, get them on every team across the SEC and across all of college football, recruiting and everything that is is dog. So let's start with uh, Georgia-Arkansas. Not exactly what we'd hoped to see, not the way we wanted the season to start, but Georgia did get a win. The biggest questions were with the quarterback. Dewan Mathis looked overwhelmed most of his time in the game. Almost like the moment was too big for him. Is that what you saw too? Uh, a little bit. I think primarily though, the hit. The hit he took early in the game really kind of, you could just see rally the other thing. Once the negative started happening and there was no success whatsoever and you had penalties and you're in constant third and long situations it just compounds especially with a young quarterback who's never really you know had those v1 type bullets it just kind of snowballed and there was nothing that was going to fix it at that point yeah i saw that too when stetson bennett came in it looked like he was not necessarily a better quarterback but just more poised quarterback yeah deep breath fellas we got this we're okay yeah you know, and and you could see that and you could definitely see that and, and it come through on the screen yeah so let's start with uh, diving into the numbers with the look of the offense because i had to tell you it doesn't look all that much different than it did last year I, I counted it up they were in 11 personnel one running back one tight end for about uh 70 of the uh, 80 plus snaps against arkansas and that's and that's traditional and that's what they've been for the most part over the past couple of years is they are a we always have a tight end on the field type of offense and I think last year it was less than a handful, maybe even it was single digits where there was not a tight end on the offense for, for Georgia. Thus, majority of the time you saw at least one. And then the next sort of primary one is the 12 personnel That's where right. you add that second tight end. And you have now John Fitzpatrick and Darnell Washington getting his you know first run as a true freshman, making that second tight end. I heard Kirby in his press conference this morning talking about, hey, we got to get him in better shape. And hopefully you also sooner rather than later get back Trey McKitty, who was going to be the experienced right. guy coming in for you there and now when Washington's out there it's going full go for the you know, 20 25 snaps that I get and Fitzpatrick for you know for what he did I mean, dude he's you know he had a touchdown he was uh, one of the people to catch a pass in the very first series of the game I think it was the third play when they were uh, second and 18 after uh, the holding uh, on a quarterback keeper they passed to him for 12 yards so he was able to make a difference and like I said had a had a touchdown and I think last year he had maybe one or two catches for 
222 yards. This yeah. year he's already passed that and with a touchdown. Yeah, and he's he's a big body receiver. If he's going to be in there and you're shorthanded in the middle of the field and give you a target, well, obviously was with even with the one. I mean, he's six six. He's going to be able to stand in the pocket and stare down and see down the middle of the field. But also was once Stetson Bennett came in, the middle of the field was almost primarily where he was looking. He wasn't really hitting much of the edge stuff. I mean, the pick, the touchdown to Pickens ended up being outside the numbers, but for the most part, Stetson did his damage inside the numbers. Let's go back to the way the offense looked because it was interesting. Yeah, they were in 11 and 12 personnel most of the time, which is pretty common, but there was one time in the eighth series where I saw him get into 20 personnel. Two running backs, no tight ends, three wide receivers. There was an incomplete to Kiaris Jackson on that play. Then they went back to the 11 personnel and 12 personnel grouping all the way to the 11th series. Probably mid to late third quarter, they score still Arkansas 10, Georgia 5. It's first and 10. They go to that uh, 20 personnel with uh, no tight ends. It's a quarterback keeper for nine yards. And that really, that some flow to the offense because you have two tr- true threats out of the backfield. And I was actually kind of looking forward to Juan in the backfield just because of the threat that he is. And But with Stetson, Stetson's still mobile and still can do things with his legs. And that first play of that drive that eventually led uh, to the Pickens touchdown was the nine-yard, eight- or nine-yard keeper for Stetson. The very next play, same formation, same personnel grouping, you get Zamir loose for about a 20-yard gain, and now you have rhythm. And now you have some confidence. It eventually obviously led to the touchdown, which which completely turned around the energy of the game. And you could just sense that on the sidelines as much as anything. Enough to give Stetson Bennett the confidence to do a quarterback keeper again for two-point conversion there puts Georgia up 13-10. Yeah, there were some really good things they did. I like even with Mathis, the naked bootlegs were some additions that you haven't seen before. And it's a lot of those things where, hey, now we have a quarterback and your quarterbacks who can get out on the run and do some things with their legs and let's use it. And they and they definitely did. But the, per, the 20 personnel part is one where you have James Cook and then Zamir White, your two, what you think are your two best backs, you got to get them on the field as much as you can. And especially with Cook's ability to be a receiver, you can do a lot of different things out of that personnel package. And I hope to see it evolve uh, as we we go by week to week. Although McIntosh got in the game a lot too. I saw a lot of uh, his number being called. Yes, he was. was. Zamir was the only one though of the backs who actually for for, some of the data that we track at PFF, he was the only one who actually forced a missed tackle. You just didn't see that from the other guys you didn't see yards after contact that are really going to push a running back's grade up higher is i.e. things that they're doing on their own i think zamir forced four missed tackles in his 13 carries the other four backs i think had 12 carries and didn't force a single missed tackle so that's hopefully something that improves i know mcintosh and kendall milton have been kind of black jersey non-contact for a good bit of camp because of like hamstrings and other issues but hopefully as those guys get into shape and, and get rolling get healthy that those numbers go up. What is it that you see the numbers with James Cook? He's a guy that didn't seem to be able to shake anybody's tackle. As soon as he got hit, he was down. And it's really not something that he's done at a high level his entire career. Now, in terms of in space and when it's, hey, can I make one guy miss when I'm in space? Yeah, that's that's his strength. But between the tackles and getting true yards after contact, it's not really something that he's ever done. He probably did it best in his first year, more so than he has over the past uh, past two. The 20 personnel thing, the interesting part of it is they did it you know, several times, and it's what jump-started the offense, as you mentioned, but they didn't do this much last year. 
next to none, probably count less than five plays where that was actually the case. One of which I think was against Georgia Tech where he ran a swing pass to, to Cook where he got about you know, 15 yards on a, on a swing pass, but it was very minimally used previously. Is it just because of the offensive coordinator change? I think it's a little bit of that. And I also think now that you have QBs who can do things with their legs, you can do some of the zone read and mesh action and pick up that kind of extra blocker by not blocking defensive ends or, or not blocking certain players. Whereas more often than not, you want that the tight end is there to be that in quote, you, know, you sort of quote six offensive linemen and really give you numbers advantage wherever it is that you want to run the ball. This is Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Tug Cowart along with Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus. You can find him at PFF underscore Brent. You can find me at Tug Cowart. Let's switch it up to the, uh, the linemen. In reference to the linemen, you get seven of them that played at least half the snaps. But what you got to find out is which dudes can make plays. Who are your dudes? All while keeping guys fresh, but experience is important. And above all else, I think that's that's the salient point is that you have talent and you have, you know, all the, the recruits that have been coming in along the offensive line and, and the depth that's been built along the offensive line. You have the talent there. Now it's about finding out exactly who is your five best? Who are you going to be at your best with that five? Because what you notice is that Trey Hill, who played center the, almost the entirety of a season ago, would come and slide over to guard a little bit. Mm-hmm. You had Warren Erickson come in at center some. You had some right tackle rotation with Owen Condon and, and Warren McClendon. Warren McClendon, actually, I think he played 45 of the, of the, of the snaps. He ended up being the highest graded offensive lineman highest graded in pass blocking uh so you know when you have him and condon that you're you haven't seen in live action as much hey let's figure out who's going to be the better player and who's going to be the best fit for us and then you also have some confidence possibly in erickson at center and you like hill at guard and obviously i think that's more of a one coach to the next coach you have a new offensive line coach and matt luke so these new coaches they see guys differently so you're moving around and, and sort of finding the best that you can and luckily for them i think they still protected to a to a solid extent and, and i think that's going to improve i think the quarterbacks dropped back 54 times, pressured on about 16 of those. So, you know, that hopefully looks to improve as you build some continuity along that line. Yeah, and that's the other thing about it because nobody wants to plan for injuries, but they happen, and especially in those positions. So you got to get guys' experience, and and there's probably not a better game this season than Arkansas to be able to do that because everything else from here on out is a pretty big gauntlet. Very much so, and I still and honestly, I still think you're going to see that rotation unless unless you see a, an offense that is truly starting to just click on all cylinders. I think you're going to see that rotation until they find find the five that they want to go with for the majority of the time. Secondary stamps, um, it's not just the same five guys uh, in the secondary. That's something that Coach Kirby Smart has not been known for is changing up that secondary a lot. No, and that's when you look at his defense and how he's built his defense both at Alabama and at Georgia, their new sort of base defense – you know that yes, there are three, four base defense, but the base defense for them is basically a nickel defense. The star position or the or the nickel corner is is in the game. You know, almost sixty percent of the time or sixty percent of the snaps. So it it really is their base defense, and they always have for the most part five defensive backs on the field. Traditionally, he keeps those five guys on the field as much as possible, and then that sixth defensive back you know comes in and dimes situations or known the case this past weekend and I think a lot of that has to do with the talent they have and just the the depth of playmakers that they've had because of what they've recruited in the secondary you had Richard LeCount and Lewis Seen play the majority of the snaps at safety until they sub towards the end of the game but at the corner position you had Tyson Campbell who last year was in and out and really for the most part of it in his career has been in and out of the lineup because of injuries but 
He played the second, mo- uh, third most snaps among the secondary players with 59. And then you had Eric Stokes and DJ Daniel kind of rotating in and out and, and doing their thing. And then you also had Tyree Stevenson and Mark Webb in and out at the star position as well as in that, that dime package. So given the talent that they have and getting those guys, those playmakers on the field, it's interesting and I think good for them long-term because of especially if, even for next week and what they're going to face with Auburn's receivers uh, to have that depth and have keep guys fresh uh, as they you know play coverage consistently there were uh, no linemen that played more than uh, half the snaps that is a hallmark that's an absolute hallmark of, of Kirby's defense and his, and his recruiting over the time that he's been at Georgia and Alabama and the depth that they have along the defensive line and, and many people have heard about what Jalen Carter is, can do as a true freshman he was one of the highest graded defenders got in got in the backfield and had a stop and you know he played 20 snaps you had another freshman playing multiple double digit snaps and, and other players Travon Walker playing multiple, you know double digit snaps 20 25 snaps the depth along the defensive line at the both the edge positions with Aziz Ojolari Nolan Smith Jermaine Johnson as well as the interior it's as good as anyone in the country the warm air the sounds of baseball it's got you thinking about hitting the road and no matter where your adventures take you Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style like the 2024 Subaru Outback sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. It looked like to me they wanted to let DeJuan Mathis work through some of his fear or excitement, overexcitement. Uh, so they brought him back in for the last couple of series during the game. But the one thing I noticed is that the series didn't change that much. Just because he had been out that portion of the game and, and the Bulldogs had taken the lead and, and it was clear that they were going to win the game, when they put DeJuan Mathis back in, nothing really changed. Uh, they didn't do anything. They... Uh, Let's see, it was uh, Series 14 when he came back in uh, on first and 10. It was a quarterback keeper for six yards. One first down in the series finally ended up getting sacked on third and 13. They punted on fourth and 21. And then the 15th series, they did move the ball just a little bit, enough to get themselves into field goal range because that's when they uh, kicked the field goal that uh, put them up 37-10. That's the thing that that made me scratch my head a little bit as I thought maybe Dewan Mathis was like, okay, this game's in hand. And he still didn't look comfortable to me. Well, it's one of those things where you can tell in terms of just rhythm and flow of a quarterback's play and almost knowing where they want to go with the ball once once the play is going on and develops. He just flat holds the ball a little longer. And if you look at the data from the from this game, while their average, if you look at just Stetson versus DeJuan, their average depth of target, i.e. how far they were throwing down the field, mm-hmm. I think Stetson was right around 11 yards, DeJuan right around 12, 12 and a half. 13-ish yards. So very similar in terms of how far they're, they're throwing the ball down the field. 
their average time to throw a little bit less than a second difference. I think Stetson was at right around 2.38, 2.4 seconds average time to throw. Dewan was right at 3.1 seconds in terms of average time to throw. So the the not comfortable, not getting the ball out in rhythm, and just seeing that what, what I think we all saw bears itself out in the numbers. And again, with Dewan. And when you do that, what are you asking your offensive line to do? You're asking your offensive line to block a, a little longer. longer. You had a, yep, and you had a holding penalty of the that when he came back in, you had a holding penalty on Xavier Truss. And then you know the next time you know you hold the ball a little bit longer and you take a bad play or you or you get a sack or trying to make a play or do something just to sort of feel good. I think about yourself. So. I think even though he came back in the game in a much better circumstance, you could tell he's just still pressing, trying to make big play after big play as opposed to just running an offense in rhythm, getting the ball out, and letting other people do your thing. You're exactly thing. right. They were. Uh, it was third and three. Pass was intended for Landers. There's a holding on the play, as you mentioned. And then after that, the add that second in that you brought up, and the next play he gets sacked. It's third and 13 after the flag. He's sacked. They punt fourth and 21. So that's a, that's a really good point that that he's asking his offensive line to hold longer so it tells me that Stetson Bennett's got more experience he he goes through the progression better what is it that that I'm seeing with that second longer that it takes Mathis than it does Bennett probably a little bit of everything and it's just comfort levels to comfort confidence processing what you see I think so I think a lot of it becomes into just and it's and when you think about it it's comfort level with what you're seeing it's confidence with what you're seeing and trusting what you're seeing is what you know hey I need to get rid of the ball now uh, we had this we, had, we even had the same issues in our youth football game this past weekend <laughs> with our quarterback so <laughs> right. you know it's it's one of those things where you you got to be able to trust what's what's going on and trust what you see initially with your reads and I think that just comes with experience. In the third quarter, the Bulldogs had 22 unanswered points, and that's where you know Stetson Bennett really had the offense kind of ticking along, and and he felt comfortable. That's one thing for, for Arkansas, but when you get into Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, I don't know that you're going to have that opportunity. Is Stetson Bennett going to be able to have this kind of time, have this kind of um, effectiveness against better competition? Honestly, I think that's the million dollar question, and one. That that we're going to find out, I think, really, really quickly, as yeah. in this week. Yeah, right. And, Absolutely. And with the news that JT Daniels is, should be clear to play this weekend, and you know, will, how much will that change? Will he just get some snaps? Will he get a series? Will Stetson start? I, will they still try to incorporate Dewan and in some of the things that he can do? Well, they can't incorporate it's three quarterbacks, be, surely, right? I, you wouldn't think, but you know, it's one of those. There's kind of one of those things where, hey, if I if I don't have, you know, maybe I have three, but I don't necessarily have one or the one. I honestly think it's. It's just going to hot hand, and if this guy's not, if this guy's struggling, or if the offense is struggling in any way, I think you're going to see just almost not necessarily a musical chair of quarterback. But till we find the right guy, until we find the right rhythm and consistency, which Stetson obviously provided this past weekend, right. he was the highest graded offensive player. Uh, one of the actually the highest graded quarter and almost the highest graded quarterback in the SEC behind Trask, Mac, I'm sure. Mac, Mac Trask Jones and the Mac Jones. Okay, uh, we're both we're both up there. So he played quite well until he doesn't play well, or until your offense doesn't have a rhythm with with him under center. He's probably going to stay there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But uh, I, I feel like 
that Mathis may have blown his opportunity. And you can tell me if I'm wrong. I just don't know where he's going to get the reps to gain that confidence because you can't go into the Auburn game with a guy that you're trying to help him gain his confidence. You got to get a guy out there that has confidence. Clearly, that's Stetson Bennett. But but with the clearing of JT Daniels, I heard Kirby Smart earlier in his press conference with the media. He talked about JT Daniels being cleared, but you could tell there was apprehension in his voice when he was talking about whether he would actually be able to play in the game or not. Right. Yeah. Cleared is not comfortable and moving around and strong with, with the feeling that you know with the knee that he issues that he have but but you're right about Dewan. it's that's the probably the crappiest thing about 2020 yeah is you don't have directional university or you know, mm-hmm. games Take where you're practice. like hey i know i'm i know i'm gonna get i'm gonna get this game on town alone let me just get the guy and let him play yeah you don't have that opportunity it makes a big difference no it does for sure and then if you go back to even you know spring ball and and the and the chaos that that it was i was talking to former georgia quarterback hudson mason who does the show with uh with buck baloo and myself and and he was talking about how in spring camp you would maybe get your number one quarterback a, a thousand reps he was like this year it could have been 200 to 300 and then if you had jamie newman taking reps from guys and then ultimately opting out that would make the reps to go around even less unreal situation a very unique situation i guess i don't know really the best way to describe it but when you have no spring ball grad transfer qb that you think is going to be your starter oh he's not here anymore it's just it's a the unique situation and the sad the not sad part but the key part is it doesn't matter now all that stuff hey we gotta find a guy who's gonna go gonna play gonna take care of the ball gonna put the best you know put our backs receivers all that and our offense in general in the best position to win and i think that's why you might see it be a week-to-week thing in terms of just you know the more practice each each guy gets does stetson get more comfortable does he even play even more confidently does those sort of things take care of the ball even better than than he did already you know and you just grow from there or does the other guys come up does jt daniels you know come into play and really actually show you something where, hey, we got to let this guy do his thing. You know, it's going to be a week to week, I think, and just evolving situation while trying to win games. That's the most amazing and important part of this. What is your prediction on who gets the most snaps against Auburn? I'll go with Stetson Bennett. I think that's the obvious choice just because of the way Kirby Smart talked about JT Daniels. I'm not saying they won't put in Dewan Mathis at all. I think they'll try to find places to get him in the game so he can use, you know, his skill set, obviously running the ball. We talked about this earlier before we started recording if you got Stetson Bennett that can break out in a 20 personnel and get 10 yards can Dewan Mathis get you 60 yards and maybe he becomes situational and where you're in third and short or your goal line package and you want to truly run some read type mesh plays or or get the quarterback uh, a run you know run pass options out much like you saw with how Justin Fields was used when he was here as a well, freshman I don't know I don't know that I want to repeat what that looked like <laughs> Many probably don't, yeah. uh, but still, yet yeah, at least package plays uh, for Dewan where you know he can do some things and, and have some success. But I, I do agree that Stetson's going to get the majority of the snaps. But I also think you're, I don't think you're not going to see Dewan at all yeah. unless the offense is just humming along. Yeah, if the offense is humming along and you're and you're rolling and you're up twenty-one or you're up you know two touchdowns, then I don't think you're going to see him. But I think if you know things are still there and still in doubt and you want to get creative uh, or you need to find some sort of spark I think you, you're going to see him a little bit yeah I think so too what's your what's your gut instinct on JT I don't believe he plays this weekend I don't think he does either if he does it's it's minimal and it's because you've got 
two guys who have now just blown it. If he does, it's bad news. I yeah. Think. You're in a bad news situation. My name is Tug Coward, along with Brent Rollins from uh, Pro Football Focus. You can find me at Tug Coward across all the social platforms on Twitter. You can find Brent at PFF underscore Brent. Easy to find him and uh, follow his work. And make sure you subscribe because you can do that at Pro Football Focus and at uh, UGA Sports.com. Um, what is something that you can tell Georgia fans right now, backed up by the numbers, they can hang their hat on, that they can feel good about going into this Auburn game? Your defense is still great. Yeah. Your defense is still elite. Uh, there's certain pieces of the Arkansas game give me a little bit of pause. Like, for example, early in the game, Arkansas went five wide, got a quick in route on uh, Tyreek Stevenson, big game. I think that it was eventually their touchdown drive, that same drive. That kind of harkens back to SEC championship type scenario against LSU where they just went empty all the time and, and beat you on the inside. There's also some a few breakdowns in, in coverage, but also a few times where like Stokes got the interference penalty. DJ Daniel could have gotten one. And there was their DBs in general are very handsy, very physical. And when you are that way, it's it's good, but it's also could be kind of thing where it's just the refs could call interference uh, on, a, on a lot of those balls. And when you have and you're playing a team that has three very experienced and very talented receivers in Auburn, that's kind of the one pause for this weekend. But on the whole, I don't think Auburn's going to be able to run the ball unless it's in the QB running game. I, I just I think they're going to be forced to throw it and throw it a lot. I think you could see Bo Nix with attempts over 40 this mm-hmm. weekend. Mm-hmm. I think over the period, over that sort of portion of the entirety of a game, I think their defense is still being elite and is still going to slow them down to the point where they, they have enough if they get something from the offense. All right, so do you think, and here's my projection, I think with Georgia's defense, if you score 17 points, you could probably beat Auburn. I, I mean, I, I've, I always feel better when you get to 20, but it's, 17's a good number. 17 would have won last year, I think, right? You know, yeah. I would, I would feel much better uh, in the 20s, but you know, it's, it's still... I, I think the defense is going to play as good a game as as they possibly can. Yeah, no, I expect that too. I expect them to rise to the occasion. I'm, maybe I'm just being optimistic, just because I feel like the defense is so strong and we've got so many question marks on the offense that that I'm like, okay, if we can get to 17 and keep them, just like last year, uh, as you mentioned, the 17 would have won last year too, and we're in a much better situation last year, you would think, when it comes to at least the quarterback position. So, what what is your projection? Uh, I mean, I, I still think Georgia wins the game. They find enough offensively in their defense, and one of the things we saw this past weekend creating turnovers yeah and yeah they did really they were one of the that. Elite, they were one of the lowest teams in the fbs a season ago in terms of number of actual turnovers created so their ability to create turnovers and i think if they continue that pressure bow nicks and i think they're going to be able to do that i think there's going to be enough uh, to to get that victory yeah LeCount with uh two picks and then uh you had um who else uh, stokes, stokes, yeah, his, stokes with, a with pick. his first career yeah first career and it was a, a pick six so yeah yes. that, it worked out really well in george's favor we're going to need some of that from the defense for sure what about this number uh I remember last year, if Jake Fromm threw the ball over 30 times, most likely Georgia was losing the game. This game, what was it, 49? It was up there. And it was 54 dropbacks. I can't remember the exact number of attempts, but it was 
a lot of a lot of passing. Does that tell you that Todd Munkin's fingerprint is on this, or does that tell you that they were uh, trying to at least do some sort of version of the air raid while not going away from the uh, the run altogether, which Kirby Smart wouldn't allow? What do you make of that? Having that many attempts and still going on to win because that's not been the uh, the recipe for success for Georgia in the past. Well, I think it's a combination of a couple factors. One is tempo and just the, the nature of the game, the flow of the game. You're you're running, you're backing yourself up with second and long penalties or third and long because of penalties or a sack. So now you're going to put yourself in passing situations. Uh, but then I also think you know the defense caused a lot of three and outs and, and got the ball back quickly. So you're just, I mean, they ran almost, I think, in the 90s in terms of total number of plays. So at, you know, at that point, you're actually almost 50-50 in terms of run and pass distribution. It's just when you run that many plays, you're going you're gonna to have a lot of attempts. We are going to throw to open the running game just as much as our running game is going to open our throwing game. Okay. And I think that philosophy specifically, or especially in the NFL now, teams are really realizing that, hey, we need to throw the ball and throw the ball, especially on early downs, use things like play action to create explosive plays, get a lead, and then use our running and then let our running game come into play and, and do those things. So, I, I think that's a trickle-down effect. I mean, he's obviously been in the NFL the past three years. Even look, even if you look at LSU a season ago and what Clemson and Alabama, while overall a lot of times their numbers are, are very sort of on that 50-50 balance, but early downs, they are trying to throw the ball more frequently than they are running it, and they're trying to get explosive plays, especially uh, off of play-action passing. Yeah, I, on first and ten, I was looking, the uh, the first one, two, three, four, five series, it was handoff, 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 fifth series on first and ten, they passed to Pickens for 11. So, it's, it's interesting because what you're saying about the NFL is pass early, but that's not what they did, at least in the first five series. Well, and, and also, I think a lot of that is who your quarterback was. And I think you're you know, yeah. trying to give him cre- some, create some comfort level yeah. now. And what I personally would, I would have liked to have seen some, you know, some of the naked bootleg that they did with Dewan, some of the, the play action passing type things on early downs. Yes. But again, they shot themselves in the foot so much in those first, first drives that he was in that it really kind of threw everything that you would think with normal was out, out the window. Yeah, I was just looking at the first couple series with Stetson Bennett. The uh, first and ten was a toss to Cook. Then uh, they, uh, this was probably the seventh series of the game. Stetson's first, as I said, they get they get do get the first down on first down. They pass to Kiaris Jackson. Then they get another first down. This series toss to Cook. Uh, ultimately, they turn it over on downs, losing a yard. The uh, the next, the eighth series, they come out first and ten. This is again with Stetson Bennett, incomplete target to Pickens. First and ten, incomplete to Kiaris Jackson. And ninth series, pass to Kiaris Jackson. So they were going to more what you're talking about when Stetson Bennett got in the game and it looked like they were more comfortable. Yep, and I think that I think that's something you're going to see a lot this week. Yeah, I think it'll have to be too. All right, Bulldogs by the numbers. My name is Tug Cowart, along with uh, Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus and UGASports.com. All right, give me some numbers as we wrap up the show that uh, that we didn't cover that we should have. The biggest thing for me that was that was unique and you saw was Stetson Bennett's ability to work between the numbers. And you know, a lot of times when you saw Georgia's offense last year at any struggle point, it was the back shoulder fade. That was what that was Jake Fromm's sort of comfort level throw. But Bennett in this game was 13 of 17 for 156 yards and the touchdown to John Fitzpatrick between the numbers. Working the middle of the field, 
and and getting things working down the field as well. Well, good enough, man. Well, uh, let's go over how folks can follow you on social media. It's at PFF underscore Brent. But uh, more importantly, we want you to subscribe. If you're into knowing UGA sports inside and out, go to UGASports.com and uh, subscribe there. It's $99 a year. Insider information on the Bulldogs, recruiting, and everything that is Georgia football. And then you can also subscribe at uh, PFF.com. That's Pro Football Focus. You can get that for a first time this year. It's the first time it's ever been available to buy access to college grades. You get that for $30 a year. Premium starts at $120 a year. So uh, make sure you find Brent there and uh, all his colleagues at UGASports.com and ProFootballFocus.com. So until next week, we'll break down the uh, Auburn game. Have it for you here at ThePodcastPark.com. For Brent Rollins, I'm Tug Cowart. Brent, have a great day. Talk to you then. sounds of baseball it's got you thinking about hitting the road and no matter where your adventures take you subaru of gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style like the 2024 subaru outback sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon or the 2024 subaru forester the suv with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along start your shopping online at subaruofgwinnett.com then come see us for a test drive on satellite boulevard in duluth Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.